May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Over the years, Mother Teresa did some extraordinary work in the poorest of the poorest in the poorest among the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India. And her many trips to raise awareness for money for the cause, there have been a lot of stories uh, told about how she would appeal to people to try to get their help to assist in the ministries that she was undertaking. In a sermon on the passage, Dr. Tom Long tells of a time when Mother Teresa was in New York City to meet with the president and vice president of a large multinational company. And she was there to appeal for their help. Before the meeting, however, the two executives had gotten together and they had agreed that they were not going to give Mother Teresa a dime. Mother Teresa arrived to their office and they seated her across the large mahogany desk from the two executives and they listened to her plea and talk about her ministry and the plight of the people in Calcutta and in other places. And after listening to her, they listened, they listened and then said this, we are sorry, but we cannot commit any funds at this time. Let us pray, Mother Teresa said. Dear God, I pray that you will soften the hearts of these men to see how necessary it is to help your needy children. Amen. She then renewed her plea, and the executives renewed their answer. We are not in a position to commit any company money to you at this time. Let us pray, she said. Dear God, I pray that you will soften the hearts of these men to see how necessary it is to help your needy children. Amen. And after she opened her eyes from the prayer, she was looking at the beet red face of the executive across the room as he had opened his checkbook and had already begun to stroke a check to help her ministry. Nothing worthwhile is easy, is it? Especially when it comes to things of God's kingdom here on earth, nothing here is easy. Ministry is not easy. Advocating for the cause of Christ and seeking justice and righteousness in Jesus' name is not easy. Trying to reach a community around us to be involved in church is not easy. Whenever I think about the difficulties of ministry, I have to pause and think of the cross and then resume what I'm called to do. Following Jesus is not easy, but follow we must. One writer states, quote, nothing becomes truly great until it overcomes something that looks insurmountable. Nothing becomes truly great until it overcomes something that looks insurmountable. 
Luke records a parable that Jesus told his disciples. This is late in Jesus' ministry. They would continue along without him after he died on the cross and would have to trust in the God they could not see, in the Holy Spirit they could not see as they carried out their mission. And in this parable, Jesus is seeking to encourage them not only to persist in prayer, but to persist in justice, in bringing about justice for others. He seems to give the answer at the beginning right before he tells the parable. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 18, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. We, we could just assume that's it, shut the Bible and move on. The purpose, they should always pray and not give up. That's a mini-sermon in itself. That's a good word, but there is more. In some parables, Jesus does this. He gives us the reason for the parable, and then he tells it. You remember the parable of the sower? Jesus told the parable, and at the end, he gave the meaning of each of the, the seed and each of the path, uh, places where it fell. Here, he tells the story of an unjust judge and a widow who is begging for mercy. Let's walk through it. Jesus is around his disciples. They're his audience. He gives them this parable. He emphasizes their need to pray and not give up, but there's more. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. If we look at this parable in an allegorical way, we might assume that the judge stands for God and that the widow stands for us. And that we have to appeal to a, a God who would rather not be bothered and pester God to finally get a, God to make a decision to meet a need so that we would go on our way. I don't believe that our, the allegorical approach is the best way to look at this parable at all. In fact, Augustine says this, by no means does that unjust judge furnish an allegorical representation of God. The example is of an unjust man who, although he yields for the mere sake of avoiding annoyance, nevertheless cannot disregard those who bother him with continual pleadings. By this the Lord wishes us to infer how much God bestows on those who beseech him, for God is both just and God is good. So how do we understand this parable? How are we to make a sense of it? Who does this judge represent? I think that part of the clue is in verse 2. Jesus says, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. We are to understand that the judges were appointed by the Roman government. This judge would have not been Jewish this judge wouldn't have cared a thing about the Jewish people. He only would care about his power and his authority and his position in the community. And then Luke gives us a clue here. He tells us that the judge did not fear God, nor did the, did the judge 
care about people. These are the two greatest commandments. You remember when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The judge didn't fear God. The judge could care less about God and worshiping God and loving God. And then the judge didn't care what people thought. He didn't care about people. He did not love neighbor as self. So the the judge represents secular power, position, and authority who did not consider God a source of authority at all. And then here comes this woman, and she's begging for justice. She's a widow. Widows were among the lowest uh, and the oppressed in the socioeconomic stat part of the community. Widows and orphans. She would have had no property, no authority. She would have had to beg for someone in authority to bring about justice on her behalf. And she continues to pester the judge. It says, she kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. You can imagine that she might sneak into the back of the courtroom. Grant me justice against my adversary. Maybe when the judge snuck out during a recess to have some coffee and to check his messages, she snuck back and there she was. Grant me justice against my adversary. Maybe after the court session had ended at the end of the day and she was hiding in an alleyway and then when she saw him come down the sidewalk in his suit and briefcase, she pops out, grant me justice against my adversary. She is relentless and continually seeking the judge's favor. And the ver- verse 4 says, for some time he refused. He didn't want to have a thing to do with her. But finally he said to himself, and we see this in Luke's Gospel often where a character in a story or a parable says something to themselves. They speak in their mind. Remember the lost son when he had wandered off and squandered the family inheritance and was in a pigsty? He thought and then said to himself, I need to go back to my father and I need to apologize. This judge finally says to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, in verse 5, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And literally, the Greek here that's translated attack me means to give him black eyes. You can just visualize this widow jumping at the judge. Give me justice against my adversary. And he's afraid that this woman is is so persistent that he might experience bodily harm. So to avoid all of that and to get rid of her, he decides to give her what she wanted. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And then look what Jesus says to the disciples. He says, listen to what the unjust judge says. 
And then he teaches us another meaning of this parable. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly He points, Jesus does, to God. Yes, this is a message on persisting in prayer and persisting to get justice, but this is also a message about the character and nature of God. I believe that He's taking us back, or taking the disciples back, to an important lesson that He taught in Luke chapter 11 when they appealed to Him for teaching on prayer. And He gave them the Lord's Prayer, the model of the Lord's Prayer. And after He gave them the model of the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, then He, he, he tells them uh, some, in, some things about the character and nature of God. He says in chapter 11, verse 5, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lo- loan me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has come on a journey, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one on the inside of the home that is knocked upon answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And then Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, because of your bold persistence, yet he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. If a neighbor who doesn't want to wake up will finally wake up and give you the bread that you need, how much more will your God in heaven give you when you ask for it? And then Jesus goes on, I say to you, ask and you, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks knocks. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. This is keep on asking. Keep on searching. Keep on knocking. God does want us to be persistent in our praying. But we don't want to look at this parable of these other lessons as lessons that tell us that we have to pester God and then finally God will do something just to get rid of us. There are lessons in persistence and lessons on the character and nature of a loving God whose desire it is to meet all of our needs. Not all of our wants, but all of our needs. And then Jesus says in Luke 11, verse 11 following, which of you fathers, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more? I I believe that this parable is a how much more parable. If an unjust judge will finally relent and give what the persistent widow asks, how much more will a loving God give us what we ask and need? Not vending machine theology, 
But how much more will a God who is good and a God who is just and a God who is love desire to give us good things because we simply ask for it? How much more? We have a how much more God. This is a reminder to the disciples then and us now of the character and nature of a good God. The disciples would not longer have Jesus with them physically, and they would have to depend on the God whom they could not see. This meant that they had to live by faith and not by sight. I believe this is really what Jesus is getting at in verse 8 of the parable of the unjust judge and the persistent widow when He says, I tell you, He will see they get justice, speaking of God, and quickly... That our God is quick to respond. And often He responds by sending us to do His work. And then He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? When Jesus comes, will He have found disciples that have persisted in prayer who have been faithful in carrying out the mission of the Gospel and persistent in seeking justice and righteousness for those who need it. I believe that the next parable in Luke 18 gives us the fuller understanding of the first parable. Listen to these words. To some who are confident of their own... This is verse 9 in chapter 18. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else... Jesus told this parable. This is echoing what Miss Amanda talked about in the children's message just a little earlier. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. And in verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is the root of the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. At the end of the parable of the unjust judge and the persistent widow, Jesus asks the question, when the Son of Man comes, will He find us faithful? Will He find faith on earth? Will He have found that we persisted in prayer and seeking justice and righteousness? Will He have found people who have had a hunger for righteousness? And will they have done that in humility? Or will we have been as the Pharisees standing up saying, it's all about me? I am convinced 
that God desires both faithful, prayerful persistence and a humble and contrite spirit as we seek to live out His calling as Christians in this time and place, in the here and now. How will you persist for justice? What are you hungering for in this world? What do you want to see better? In my prayer time, I, I, I wrote just a list of things. Maybe for you, it's the environment. Maybe you see the ways that our earth is uncared for. God's creation is uncared for. And that's something that you'd like to do something about. Maybe for you, it's hunger. I read in the paper the other day that the government is considering uh, uh, doing away with uh, many of the free meal programs in our public schools, the money that they give. And I just think that's intolerable. I think that's unacceptable. And uh, so what is it that you're hunger, hungry to see right? Uh, maybe it's clean water. Uh, over in Indonesia, our uh, uh, ministry partners are hard at work, the Green family, to bring clean, um, drinkable water and sustainable agriculture to their, to their area where they minister. For you, maybe it is to see human trafficking come to, a con to an end. Uh, for you, maybe it is justice for people who are seeking to come in and uh, find freedom in the United States from other countries. Immigrants and migrants. People who are at the border. Uh, we have been called to serve among the least of these, not name which ones we want to serve and which ones we don't. Maybe that's your passion. Um, our denominational partners, uh, this Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, have an advocacy group that is helping to do away with title lending and payday lenders, or at least to hold them accountable where they are. Perhaps it is racial reconciliation and to see the injustices of our past righted. Maybe it's fair housing. Maybe it is our schools that there is equality across our districts, no matter what jurisdiction it is. Maybe it is the, in, the unacceptably high eviction rates that are in Richmond, Virginia, as opposed to other cities throughout the United States. Maybe it's public transportation and buses that come into the county so that people could get closer to their jobs instead of having to pay exorbitant fees to get a taxi to get to their job. Maybe it's to advocate for the homeless. So many of you are involved in that, especially through the Baptist Center over the Last week at Oregon Hill, many of you participated in that. I could go on and on, but uh, what is it that stirs your heart? What is it that keeps you up at night? What is it that God has placed on your heart? And how will you and I persist in prayer? And how will we persist to see that justice is done? I close you with this quote again from St. Augustine. Come, Lord, stir us up and call us back.
kindle and seize us. Be our fire and our sweetness. Let us love. Let us run. Amen. Please pray with me. Thank you, O God, for this story that Jesus has told us. Thank you that it is fresh to us today. Help us to have a fresh vision of persisting in prayer and in bringing about that which is right around us. And Lord, help each of us better understand the calling that you have on our lives and on this congregation. Huguenot Road Baptist Church is in a wonderful location and it has wonderful people and it has wonderful ministries. And Lord, we desire to understand your will for us and how we are to be the presence of Christ for the people in, not only in our congregation, but in the community who is, who is around us. And how to live out the calling that you have to meet the needs, to share the love of Jesus in any way that we can. Make that clear to us, Lord. May we not be scattered about and siloed in our missions and ministries, but help us to be ever so focused that we work together as one body for such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.